Welcome back, Rebels. Welcome back. Coming up in this episode, we're going to be talking to Lucy and Adrienne about their new book, Brand Yourself. And we've been thinking a lot about how, basically about how you appeal to your target demographic. Because we've been talking a lot recently about like charging enough for your work. Um, And part of charging and getting clients is like getting the right clients. I think for so many years, you and I have had, we've had a lot of clients that paid a lot of money, but really they've not been the right clients. They've not been people that we've developed long lasting relationships with. There definitely have been some, but a lot of our sort of like really corporate clients have been like one and done and gone. And I think when you really, really sort of start to work out your branding and how you present yourself out to the world, you really, really bring in the people that do become patrons of your work. Like they support you. They love what you do. They want to be a part of what you do. Um, and that's that's not like a one-time thing. And if you have more than just a one-time thing, you have a lasting relationship with a client or a customer, then that becomes very, like really, is a beautiful relationship, like a symbiotic relationship of them getting something of value that they really, really love, whether it's a product or a service and you getting a client that allows you to keep on doing the thing that you do. When you think about like the things you buy online, it's like, are you buying something that is just going to facilitate a need or is it something you're kind of buying into that's a bit more of a brand it's going to bring you status in some way because for example if you well go to the shops and you bought some bleach for your toilet like something like that it's like that's just something you're going to go in there you're going to buy it you don't even think about it and there's no relationships ever going to be formed of that brand there when you're selling products or when you're selling a service it's like having that idea of okay so someone's gonna they've got a problem and they're gonna google it probably and they're gonna find you maybe on the internet or someone and they're gonna be like okay i need this problem solved so i'm gonna just pay this person to do it there's been no kind of like brand built up with that person at all they've just kind of discovered them they can do what they need them to do and they're going to pay them to do it and then boom it's done whereas what i think what's interesting is especially with social media where you can people can find you before they actually want to purchase something i think especially as a creative as well they can start following you because they like your work and it's like when they're ready to buy, that's when they'll go and buy. So I think what would be quite an interesting way to think about it is if you do have that kind of product where someone has just searched for it, you're facilitating that need, how can you within that start to build that relationship so it's not just, oh, you've come, you've bought this from me, you've gone, and then that's kind of something that goes away. How can you work with that person, bring them into your ecosystem, and then make them care about you so they could potentially buy from you again in the future? Yeah, we've talked a million times about 1000 True Fans, the essay by Kevin Kelly. And that's that's essentially what you're describing there is building up your 1000 True Fans gradually bit by bit so that when you do have a print release or a t-shirt or um, you're going to speak at an event, those are the people that are going to show up. Those are the people that are going to buy that product. And some of that is having a, a nice logo that is consistent. Some of it is having a brand font, but really much more than that, is the work. And we were talking earlier about the importance of the work. I mean, we always come back to the work. I, I mean, I don't think there's going to be many people listening to our podcast that are going to be like drop shipping from China or or putting out like, yeah. like toilet bleach. There's not going to be many people that are going to be set, like selling a generic product um, in multiples. I think most people that listen to this show create bespoke, handmade um, or they or they use their their like personal skills in terms of like speaking or teaching or or something like that. So I think that's much more the demographic that that our audience fits into. So we don't need to create a brand that is a quick like come and buy this when you need it. It's it's much more about being a part of something and creating a community. And it <laughs> it is great to have a logo to do that, but so many people spend so long. And don't launch because they're waiting for the perfect name or the perfect logo. I mean, the name like that hangs up so many people. And at the end of the day, like like you you and me both, it's just our own names. Um, and I think that's a lot to do with having the podcast. We didn't want sort of separate pseudonyms that would be confusing because we're so out there in terms of this show. That but like that just that just simplified everything. Like we didn't need to come up with. A B amazing photo studio whatever like we didn't like we yeah, didn't have yeah. to come up with with a with a bullshit title it was literally just our names and with businesses in the past we've 
we've been really simple with it. We haven't overthought it. We've just gone, okay, what are people searching for online? They're searching for graffiti. Okay, we're called Graffiti Life. Uh, they're searching for a tattoo parlor. We're called Parlor Tattoo. Uh, that, those were yeah. really simple decisions that were massively helpful to um, search engine optimization. We built a brand around those names rather than the names being the most important part of the brand. And But we just didn't spend too long on it. Well, like we didn't have time to spend too long on it because we needed to get some cash in so that we could pay our rent. For anyone listening to this who hasn't gone and started something yet or you're still at the start and you're thinking oh but I can't start selling my product yet I can't start doing anything yet because I haven't got all of those things in place I haven't got my brand fully sorted out like just start because it's like I think it's probably a better way for you to actually start and start creating the work and then let your logos your fonts your colors everything that's involved in the visual identity of your company worry about that after like that let that be a reflection of your work. Let's not let your work be a reflection of a decision you made based on a very small kind of branding knowledge at the very start of your business. I think it's much better to do it that flip side. So it's like your work's always the main factor. Like when we think about successful creatives, successful artists, you don't think about the fonts that they use, the logos that they use, that kind of thing. You think about their work first. And I think that's what we need to do is make sure that the branding that we create as creatives supplements what we do it kind of benefits it it buffers it it makes us look more professional it does those extra little things to support our work rather than drive our work when you when you start off it's um and and obviously all of our listeners are at completely different stages in their journey i think you can always look and see where you're at and see what else can be done and can be added because there is always something and i think especially when you're at the early stages working out it, it can all just seem so strange, like how it's kind of hard to imagine that you're ever going to have customers. Like how how are, how are people going to come into this ecosystem? And I really think that starts with creating shareable content. And that's something that we've spoken about a, a lot before, but that's, that's the kind of, that's the first touch point. If someone like sees one of your videos that's posted on a different page, then that's going to be their first little bit of awareness. And then the brand is something that's built over over weeks and months and years of people following you and you consistently turning up and being who you are so i know it can seem scary in the beginning but again it goes back to doing the work doing the work that is true and authentic to yourself putting that out there with your strong like if you've sat down and you've worked out like why am i doing this why is this my gift that i'm i'm giving out like why am i why am i teaching yoga like I'm teaching yoga because it makes people feel X, Y, and Z. It makes me feel X, Y, and Z. And um, I've I've done a stunt in the middle of London where I got 50 of my friends to come down and we all did a flash mob yoga in front of whatever. And there was someone handing out flyers and those flyers then got the first few people into my ecosystem because it resonated with them. They were kind of a bit of a yoga fan. They saw us, they saw us doing gorilla yoga this is all off the top of my head. So if this is shit, then I, I really apologize. Yeah, they all saw us doing gorilla yoga. They started following us on social media. And then over the next six months, they gradually became a fan because after you did gorilla yoga, you did something else that they thought was really cool. And that got a little bit more of their attention. And you just like stepped up and gradually, gradually built. This is what I believe. This is who I am. And then you check in with them. It's like, is that what you believe too. Oh, it is cool. We're the same. Like we are a tribe and we are building together. And I think one thing we talk about a lot later on in this episode is just playing the long game. And I think that's what building a brand is. I think we quite often think it is just that initial building your website, logos, getting the colors right, or doing the visual stuff that sets you up and kind of says, like, oh, this is a kind of a package of a business. Actually, like that's just a small thing that happens at one point. Or maybe you do if you rebrand and you go and do it in small little pockets throughout your whole career. But the brand is effectively what you're building over time and all the connections you're making, the work that you're putting out. And one thing that I've kind of found recently is there's been like a, a little update on Instagram where you can now be a contributor of something. And when it comes to shareable content, I think this could be a really good way that people could start to utilize this to start collaborating with other people. So what I did recently is I did a shoot with someone who is an influencer within the space. So the people who buy from me are influenced by this person. And then I've just done a contributor post with that person, which basically what it does, uh, if anyone hasn't seen this feature yet, or I'm not sure if it's been rolled out to everyone. This is yet, on Instagram, yeah. Coming a bit, 
yeah coming a bit more in the future but whereas previously you could just like tag someone in a post you can now make them a contributor so by doing that it you post it onto your feed but it also gets shown on theirs as well so if you're doing something in collaboration with someone it gets shown to their audience too so if you can partner with someone you can find someone that you can share an audience with it's such a great way to start kind of building that brand kind of like adding those extra little bits in like getting a few more people in to understand who you are uh, which I feel like can be quite powerful because for example like my average posts get between kind of like 500 and maybe like 1500 as like an average kind of ballpark likes whereas like this latest one I did with this collaborator got like almost 9000 which is just mental because it's bringing so much of their audience in and I've got a lot of followers from that now who are people who would buy from me it's not like I've just in a partnership with a random person that doesn't fit my brand. It's I've basically found someone who fits my brand perfectly, done a collaboration with them, and then it's bringing in people that are in my ecosystem who want to be in my ecosystem, who aren't just people who are like, oh, that's cool. It's like, this is someone where it could be a longer relationship going forward. And your branding is there to to like kind of back it up. It's just kind of like those potential customers are going to be like, okay, who's who's this Adam Brazier kid? Then they're going to go and look at your website. They're going to see that it's professional. It looks like you can be relied on. And that's where that's where the brand reinforces who you are. And I think if we live in a, if we visit a parallel dimension where no one's ever heard of Apple and we show them the Apple logo, it means absolutely nothing to them. Yeah. What the logo and the branding does is it that's a visual reminder for how you make people feel and it just they and then they can just summon that up every time they see your logo so it is important that you pop your logo onto everything you do if you can but what's more important is building those relationships making people feel a certain way so they associate your logo with that feeling and that story that that you're putting out into the world if you're not selling your work if your works if things aren't going as well as you think it is there's a good chance that that's not you don't need to redo your website I think this is what we get into. I think as a creative, it's quite easy to be like, okay, well, I'm not selling anything. Uh, maybe I need to spend the next like month up to updating my website. And once that's perfect, then people will start buying from me. I think if people want to buy from you, they will they will find a way to do it. They will drop you a DM. They will turn up at your door. They will like they'll find a way to get there. And I think what kind of doing all that visual identity can do is just make that more streamlined, and it really makes your life easier. But I think you almost need to focus on the work first, get that to a stage where you're hitting problems where you're like, oh, this could be more efficient. And that's when it's kind of like time to start looking at how you can support this, how you can develop it rather than doing it the other way around. Yeah. So as we get into the episode now, we'll be talking about all of this that we've that we've just been talking about. So this is going to be one of those ones that you're probably going to want a, a pen and paper. This is like one of the more detailed ones. And if you haven't got a pen and paper, then you can just buy Lucy and Adrienne's book and uh, start to brand yourself. Uh, yeah, the book is called Brand Yourself. We've mentioned it a few times on this show so far, and it is a perfect handbook for branding. I think from my experience in branding over the past like 11 years in business, it's been watching lots of different things, seeing lots of little nuggets like from here and there and bringing them all together to be like, hey, well, this is my understanding of it. Whereas I think what this book does really well is it lays it out in a really like easy, simple, ordered, well, this is just what you do. Just follow this like almost tick box kind of exercise mm. of like going through, making sure you're hitting all the points. And I think they've collated it really well in a really simple way, which just makes it for someone who doesn't understand branding or has only ever done a little bit before. I feel like anyone who's selling anything will benefit from this. Yeah. And we know that a lot of you guys went out and got hype yourself um, together. The, the two books are a perfect, uh, perfect pair for, to really like set you up, especially in, in the early days in the beginning. So uh, we hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Lucy and Adrian. Hello. Hello. <laughs> you can tell we don't do it together very no. often. We don't know who to speak first. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, guys. How's it all going? We're five days until our book comes out. So we're slightly at that like madness, panic zone. Yeah, it's interesting. So so Lucy, you were on the show quite recently. Um, so this is our quickest ever turnaround of a, of a repeat guest that we've ever done. But that's because I think your book is really important and i think it's really good and so i wanted to get you on cuz like we we talk to so many authors on this podcast and so often it's so that we can interview them so that people don't need to buy the book <laughs> 
um, <laughs> literally, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll gain all the best bits. We'll have a chat with the author. And then the option is there. Like if you loved this and you want to go on a deep dive, but we've kind of covered all, all the main bits with your books. They're so, they're such like practical guides that I think our audience would find so useful Although you are a mate and it is lovely to have you on, at our core, it's always we're always doing what's best for the listener. And I really do honestly think that both of your books are just really important. And I think with Brand Yourself, as you know, I always, always, always ask for the audio book and I always, always want to listen to that. With with the, the branding book, I think the physical copy is actually really important because visually the way it's laid out and everything that you've put in there, all the pictures and just it's just so easy to follow and it and it i can put it together in my brain of like these are the steps that i need to take so um i've just bigged you up probably too much and you're going to be like ah what the fuck do i say to all of that we were talking about it well done you know what would if there was one message that we could give away to the audience from the book today and actually adrian was saying to me that you know he is a creative and a dyslexic and was told at school to drop out so for him he shouldn't be writing a book and there's people out there who don't think that they can do branding because they're not creative, but they have an interest in creativity. So part of the reason that we wanted to do this book was a, a tiny bit of a sort of a fingers up to the academic system for him. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because because with branding, it's I, I mean, I so I'm in the book. I've got my my little few you're words. You're in the in book. The, uh, Adam's in, the Adam's in there as an example and you're in there as an endorser. He he is an absolute example, but but when it but when it comes to branding, I think what one of the words I used in in the opening blurb there was about demystifying, and I think that's the thing is that we all have this sort sort of vague understanding of it. It's more than a logo. We hear that all the time, but then but then actually, what is it? So, what's your kind of definition of what branding is? Branding. The simple definition is your reputation. Is how people see you and pursue you, basically. And that is everything you do, everything, every time you behave as a person, as a product, and that creates memories and brain of your consumers. And that's what we call the reputation. That's branding. So and I think that's why we collaborate and work well together, because obviously you have that the actual sort of the strategy and the visual of that. And then it's how you take that out into the world, which is why brand and PR is so interlinked and why we could kind of do do the book together like I talk a lot most of the book is Adrienne's brain kind of written in my tone of voice but actually the brand then Mm. does link through to your personal brand because whether you like it or not you have a personal brand it's just whether you choose to manipulate it um, and not even manipulate it but make it work for you because when people google your name do you want your old myspace image coming up top because that's what google prefers (laughs) you know I'm always trying to chase those those days. Yeah, no, I that's that's a really good point. Why should people read brand yourself before hype yourself? The first bit of the book is the strategies, understanding yourself, understanding what you're doing, where you're going with it. And if you don't know that, it's a bit like you lost in the desert. You have no idea where to go. And PR come after that. When you know yourself, when you know your story, that's where you're going to be able to communicate it. But you have to start with a strategy. Otherwise, as well, you risk doing things like promoting yourself and linking to an old brand name or an old website or an old Instagram handle. And you have these sort of dead links out there because we essentially most of promotion is digital now. So you want your digital footprint to be working as hard for you as possible. So when people search you, they're getting the right information. Yeah. And as well, in some ways, the strategy is important because everyone told me, look, Adrian, which color should I choose? I don't know. I have so many colors. But first, if you ask a question, what emotion do you want people to remember from you? That's easier. After there's no, there's no decision between two colors. Like, of mm-hmm. course, I need to be yellow. Of course, I need to be blue. Because now I know what I need to be as a reputation. Yeah, I think like reading through the book, I think one of the things that jumped out to me, which I think is like really important, I think it really helps in everything that I do, is like audience mapping, which is kind of understanding who your actual audience is, who you're actually targeting. Because I think most people, when they start anything, think, okay, well, I've got this product everyone can buy this I'm going to just try and get everyone to do this thing I'm going to try and make everyone feel this thing and it's like it doesn't really work like that because it's like if you have if you have a belief you stand for something you're putting a certain kind of visual out into the world not everyone's going to like that and it's understanding who you're actually going to spend your time targeting because like as especially as small business owners or kind of individual creators we only have so much time in a day there's only so much time you can invest in building your brand getting yourself out there getting known 
if you can just spend the time at the start to work out who you're actually going to spend that time targeting, it's going to save you so much time rather than just trying to be like, oh, well, how am I going to sell to this person? How am I going to sell to that person? How am I going to sell to that person? If you can narrow that down to start with, that's going to make things so much easier for you going forward. Yeah, 100%. And I talk a lot in Hype Yourself about being like one size fits no one. And you do need that confidence in yourself to know that you're not going to appeal for everybody. And that's okay. When we do specialise into a niche audience, it doesn't stop like the other people coming in. Like, you know, you kind of think about all the marketing books and like stuff like Seth Godin will say about like the outliers, bits like that. You know, we don't need to worry about trying to attract everybody. That actually, when you get your super fans and you're super engaged with the right audience, the right people are going to come to you. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we've got had all kinds of like odd people where we're like, gosh, we wouldn't have thought we were a match for, um, I'm thinking specifically mm. of Tim. Um, oh, yes. He's like an investment banker and he trains people on like how to invest and is from a completely different like corporate world to us. But he liked the way that we kind of bring creativity and funds through. And so that's actually how he's bringing through his corporate financial background um and so it works for him but for other people in corporate banking like we would not be a brand fit and that's absolutely fine by me <laughs> one thing that is really interesting you kind of break it down in the book into kind of demographic psychographic and business challenges um and then you also kind of mention how one thing you could do is take your client out for lunch just ask them and like this is something that I do all the time and I feel like I understand my audience so well that it's like, I know if I put this out, I know they're going to love it before they even see it. It's almost like you're one step ahead of their thinking. And I was actually talking to a different business owner recently. And it's funny because I like did this and then read your book. And I was like, yeah, lunch. That's exactly what you need to do. Because you can actually have a proper conversation with people. But I was like, because I do this a lot of my stories and stuff, is just ask your audience. Like, If someone's bought one thing from you, if someone's come to you for one bit of your service, they have a personality. You need to find out as much about them as possible. Mm. I think in a world where like data is such like an important term that's talked about all the time, like I think that seems like very techy, especially to like creatives. You think our oh, data, okay, that's yeah, not yeah. Me. You that's think you have to do a research group or something? Yeah, yeah, something that's like really deep, and I need to have all this tracking on people and all that kind of stuff. Whereas actually, just understanding who people are, like what magazines they like, like who's their favorite fashion label, like all of these little things that make up who those people are, that then suddenly like if you're creating a product, if you're doing something new for them, well, you already know them. If you can almost create this persona in your head of like, well, this is what this person would like, make that for them. Quite often people stop in the, the numbers of the audience. So the age, how much the income, what they're living, urban, but they don't go, like you said, to the next step. What is the emotion going with that? What they what they're passionate about go a bit deeper and that's why it's getting really interesting because you don't talk anymore about numbers and try to calculate stuff but you actually give a certain emotion and you you talk to them in a way that really gonna react them and create deeper connection and that's much much more interesting and powerful as well when you create the brand mm. yeah that's really interesting so we we're actually talking recently on an episode about kind of like bands and going to see different musicians and it's like if you're in a gig where you've got like everyone's there to go and see that band there could be people of all different age groups there. So if you just went for kind of the standard kind of this is how much they earn, this is where they live, this is like their age group or whatever, mm. then it's like you're missing out something there because it's like, yes, that's one way to connect people based on that. Actually, who they actually are and what they actually like is a much better way to connect people. Yeah, and then you can find them and then you know where it is that you need to be, like going sort of dipping into the PR side. That's when you then, you know, like, where they are playing, like what the gig venue is. Is it is it the large corporate ones or is it the smaller indie places? You know, it starts giving you more of a focus of where to go. Actually, one of my favourite tools that we use um, to sort of chat to our audience, I guess, it's called Mentimeter. It's free and there's a word cloud function. So I think I've had over like 200 people now and I ask them, what is your biggest challenge when it comes to X? And they can type in like up to three words, I think. Um, you can set it however you want. But it's been really helpful for me because now I know exactly the language that my audience would use and I can use that to then serve it back to them as part of the brand. So we really mm -hmm. understand what their, their problems are because what I think people are struggling with with PR is maybe access to journalists or I don't know how to pitch. But a lot of the time it's really basic stuff like confidence, knowledge, looking like I've got a big ego and it's actually the kind of the more it's even one step before the even the tactics bit it's more of a mindset piece so it's actually arming people 
with that um, kind of content and tips and advice. So sometimes what you might think your audience challenges isn't actually the same as how they would describe it um, or is even one step earlier. That's actually really interesting because it's like, especially with the three words thing, because I did something recently on my stories on Instagram where I basically said, can you describe my work in three words? And loads of people answered. And then like, unfortunately I didn't have a word cloud to just generate it for me. I had to actually go around and manually write them all out and kind of put little tally marks next to them. But some words came out of that that I would have never picked myself mm. as this is what I would represent myself as. And I was like, that's really interesting. That that's what people see and that's obviously what people want. So I was like, cool, well, that's what I'm going to rebrand my kind of little bio as. And then just, yeah, you, you can use that back to them going forward because you know they've, they've told you what they want and what they like. Mm. So just give them more of it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, using it back is super important. I know that's that's something we did with Parlor, um, our tattoo studio, when that was running. And we started to notice on all of the customer reviews that were, were left for us, the word welcoming was used so often. So we changed our Instagram bio to say welcoming tattoo studio in Shoreditch. And what we were talking about with, with the audience as well, I think it's fine to not know who your audience is yet. Because for me, over the past like year and a half, that has been a, a, like a constant discovery. And it sounds like the same with you of, of these people like popping in, here comes a corporate guy, didn't see that coming. And I think as soon as you, once your brand is established of this is me, this is what I stand for, this is who I am, you'll be really surprised at the people who also stand for that, that are completely different to you in so many ways, but a lot of their core values are actually the same. So you actually have a lot more in common with people than you actually well, For us, realize. it's actually made us split our business into two because we started to identify we actually had two very different types of clients. And some of that was income-based because there were people who were like, I don't have time to learn. I just want to give you the money and you do it for me. Um, so there's a very specific sort of type of product that we're doing for them. And then there's the p- other people, which is the one that is probably the one that, we we prefer like (laughs) it's actually helping people who are starting out with no budget and no idea on how to do it um and kind of you know the books it kind of lead into us sort of like affordable like micro courses and ways that workshops ways that we can work with that audience to empower them to kind of build it for themselves Mm -hmm. so it's we've basically split our business into two now to to cater for those two audiences because we were kind of like we can't have a kind of 30 quid workshop on one hand and then like a five grand do it for you product on the other because it's scaring both people on both sides yeah so there's a there's a question that i wanted to ask you both um because i'm not sure what the right answer to this or if there is a right answer um where do you stand on like standing out versus fitting in so we had camilla rainsworth on uh a while back and her she she brought out like kind of an oat milk drink or almond milk or something like that and went to like the store and was looking at all the shelves and realized, okay, well, if I do a really bright pink package, that's going to stand out on the shelf and going to be seen by everyone else. So, and which, which makes perfect sense. Like if you're going through that, that like health food section and everything is sort of like browns and greens, and then all of a sudden something's bright pink, at least it's, it's going to draw your eye. But also if you are part, so if I'm making uh, wellness content but I'm using entrepreneur fonts, then there's there's that disconnect, but it, it would still stand out. Like what what's your kind of take on pr- producing content that sort of is in the lane of the other people that are doing the same thing as you versus like doing, like like really, really standing out in that lane? You, you basically need to put your mind into your audience rather than putting your mind into a potential business mind. Like, yes, it's good to stand out, but if it's not the product you designed to do for the people designed to do, you're just going to fool everyone and yourself and you're going to fail whatever you do. But what is important is like, if you truly believe that you need to be, you more quiet type, you for the long run quality and fixing, you don't want to do something pink and stand out because that's going to bring more the, the very much younger crowd excited who just want a quick drink and back to something else. And you don't want that. You want to touch the right audience for the right product. It's not a question. It's good to see around you to make sure you don't do mistake if you completely something is going to be, like you said, the wrong font or anything like that. But it's really important to understand yourself, understand your audience, and do the right product for the right packaging. Because in the long run, you're going to you're gonna create a deeper connection with your audience. And every time they're going to take your product, they know that they can trust your product because that's something that attracts them and they're going to have the result inside. They're like, yeah, that's exactly what I was expecting. And I love this brand and I'm going to, continue working with it but if you do something that is just try to attract 
you're just going to attract a couple of people at the beginning. Then they're quickly going to think, ah, but is that not what I wanted at the end? It's not the right product for me. So I'm going to change it. So yes, you can have a quick increase of sale by just being standing out for the moment, but it's just going to be like short trend. trend and then it's going to go away. Yeah. You need to be yourself. It's, and it's I very think important you can that. do things differently in your brand behavior as well and how you're, how you're marketing your product, how you're doing the PR for your product, the way you speak to your audience, the way you have your customer service, how you do your newsletter. There's all these kind of touch points outside of the visuals. I think people get so hung up on the visuals, especially when they're starting out and they're not creative, that that's got to be the right thing. And they're on Canva selecting whatever's the most on trend, like brand palette that week. And, oh, they've just released these like boards. This is what my brand is. And it's like, actually, one of my favorite things that Adrienne says as a piece of advice is, wait till you get bored of your brand, then have it for another two years before you change it. And I think part of this sort of Instagram design culture that people think is their brand is this sort of changing of colors and fonts all the time. And the problem with that is then there isn't any consistency and people, you know, can't pick you out in a lineup, which is what you want. Like when I started out doing sort of PR for small business, everybody was on that millennial pink flat lay staring into middle earth with a, you know, their kind of coffee and their MacBook shots. Um, so I was like, well, this is going to be quite easy for me to stand out because we're just going to go out with our sort of like five colour palette, which typically Adrian's like, do not do that. Stick to like two or three colours. <laughs> five is actually very unruly. So we actually have to have sort of like internal rules of how we use them. Um, but it was like we were there and it was loud and it was brash and we had the same font. We've been we've evolved the font now, but it's basically been the same for years. Um, so whether I'm doing a presentation, whether I'm creating a brochure or I'm doing a workbook that goes with the book or whatever it's all linked um and you recognize it as ours no you're right right is it just be back to the the strategize and like the strategy understand what is my what is what I'm making the best of it what is my best point of values and I'm gonna put everything on it for us is we firm we bold we don't look at differently we're very approachable and we want that but for other if you look at Uniqlo for example they're not there to stand out, but what they want is like quality, good price, product. They don't they don't change, it's always the same. And you go back to that because at this point you want quality t-shirt that doesn't move. You don't go to diesel, you go to Uniqlo because that's what you want. The day you want a bright, flashy color, you're gonna go to HM or anything. But when you want that, it's clear and the brand awareness is very clear and simple. That's why Uniqlo is doing very good. So you don't need to always stand out or try to be the trend. You need to do define what you are the best at it and push really hard on it. But so like with the pink bottle thing, I think what's interesting about that is the fact that like if, yeah, if you're appealing, so like if you're appealing to like a masculine audience who just loves matte black everything and you suddenly put a bright pink bottle on the shelf and you're like, oh, this is for those people. It might stand out in terms of visually stand out on the shelf, but to the people who are actually you're trying to sell to, they're not going to go and buy that. David's got a show on this week in Shoreditch and I came down yesterday to photograph some of the pieces for it. And as I was walking back to a station, I noticed that a corner shop, because I've not been around the area for ages, a corner shop had rebranded and it looked really cool and it had a cool name. And I was like, shit, that is just a generic corner shop that you see all over the country that all look exactly the same, all have awful signage, but it looks cool. And I was like, I want to go in there. And I was like, they've, because now that the, the way they've designed it, I say cool, I like it. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's not necessarily cool but like it appeals to me which i think is interesting because they're in shoreditch kind of a trendy part of london and i feel like they've rebranded in a way that's making them appeal to the people who are in that area and there's another corner shop around the corner i think like if i was back there regularly i'm more likely to go into the one that i feel like appeals to me compared to the other ones we actually have a corner shop a few doors down and we are constantly, I mean, basically it was the height of um, our social circle in the pandemic because it was the only place we could go. <laughs> and we spent quite a lot of time talking about how we would rebrand and re-PR re and build the brand of our local corner shop to appeal to the local demographic based on like what, what they would, because you can see there's certain people who are obviously requesting particular types of yogurt or particular types of ale that started to creep in during lockdown. But I can tell just from the magazine shelf that there's lots of creators in there because they have like, they have all the creative publications. They've got loads of courier. So there's a definitely, you can see the shift 
of the gentrification coming through, sadly, um, of what is being stocked in there. I think almost every person can fall into that trap of of doing what has been done before because it was a success at one point. And so if I open a corner shop, like, I mean, the corner shop is is just really just a metaphor for any any business that most of them, when they open, they look at everyone else around them and they do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so this is I, this is what we're talking about, I guess. It's like you, you could go into a shop and if it, and the the walls have got pink fur on them or something like it's something completely outrageous. Like it may work, it may just be a gimmick, and people will get bored of it and and move on. I mean, it goes back to where your target audience is, right, and where you live, because what necessarily people are buying up in Scotland is not going to be the same as people in Cornwall or Devon or London. You know, it's you know going to have. Just on a really basic level, on the type of media publications, you're probably going to be reading country living more outside of the city. Or maybe you're not. Maybe because everybody in the city dreams of escaping, all the country yeah. publications do really well. Um, that's not for me to test out. I don't own a corner shop. But back to your point, like we can all tweak our products to focus in more on our audience. And I think typically a lot of people, especially when they're creating products and services, they the way of looking at their brand, because we give a comparison and it's not a comparison exercise it's a competitor exercise and I warn people not to do comparison but often they'll look at what the competitive set's doing and be like okay that's what they're doing so I need to do that too and actually it is good to just think about hold on who am I for and what's my unique personality and what can I create and Mm. I think it's basically doing things differently is great just don't be doing that for the sake of it because in your brain your competitor is doing much better than you everything that they do in your head means that it must be working and they're making millions from it. Uh, but the truth of the matter is that they are probably struggling just as much as you are. And they may they may be doing things that are completely wrong that you're then copying that are going to be completely wrong for you as well. And it's, it's yeah, don't listen to your competitor. It goes back to, to mm-hmm. listen to your audience. Um, so Adam just mentioned that he was uh, giving me a hand yesterday. I've always had Adam on hand when it comes to things like branding. He's a Photoshop expert, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If I'm starting a brand and I don't have an Adam or an Adrian, what should uh-huh. I do? Um, well, as you as we said earlier, you should start with just strategize. There's just a fancy word to say, basically, what I'm trying to do, who am I? If you don't know who you are, just ask your friend, as you say, like, okay, what is the three adjectives you compare me with? And, and then from there, you'll be able to just pick maybe a color, pick a font. I always say a good font go a long way. You can just spend 30 quid, go on the internet, find the most exciting and sexy font you love. And, and that's a good start. And you don't really need a logo or anything. And just make sure you're consistent. You use those colors as this font all the time. And, and a piece of advice, if you be, obviously you say, ah, oh, but which font should I choose? Trust your guts. The reality is, the way we behave with font and colors is back to our children. Uh, when we were growing up around us, we saw red, so therefore it stopped and we feel it stopped. So your audience is more likely the same than you. If you really love a font, if you really love a color, more likely they're going to love it as well as much as you. So don't worry too much about it. Trust your gut. Obviously, you can double check with psych- color psychology if you want, but normally you'll be bang on the money. Don't worry too much about spending money on the logo for now. You have time to grow your business, make some money. And then when you're at a good stage, you can go and see a designer will help you with that. But just like set a good, good color, a good font and use it with consistency like that people will remember you and you're going to start creating great brand consistency basically and brand awareness i'd say practically following on from that um i'm one of those people who is desperate to be visually creative and i'm not armed in those skills so i can objectively say that looks great if you ask me to create something or photoshop or canva um it was a real battle for me at the beginning to create something that i thought looked good and actually there are a few simple rules that Adrian kind of gave me which is sticking to the same font size and the same format because when you skit around it's then it's hard to match it um we give a kind of images do's and don'ts um in the book actually but you can see this sort of online when you're looking at people's thumbnails on their avatars like their head is in the focus in the in the center of the image quite often when you're looking at like Instagram there's sort of headshots um where people are just sort of, they're doing lives and they're holding their phone quite low down. They're not holding it straight in front of them. So I think even if you can just afford a selfie stick and prop it up against your laptop or your bookshelf, and if you're taking selfies of yourself, 
just put yourself in the middle of the photo. It can make such a difference. And the same when people, if you're using other people on your socials, that you're your head, your body shots are the same size so that somebody, it's not like an ant and deck situation that <laughs> <laughs> um, you're trying to kind of get like matches in, in people's um, sizes. And I think other mistakes that I, I definitely made as well was trying to use too many colors and trying to be really different. And actually um, from a consistency point of view, having the same color and the same font repeated isn't, isn't an issue. It actually help, makes people stop because they know who you are. Um, so don't put so much pressure on yourself to use all these different sort of images. Um, I think I've actually become a better photographer since I've started to use my Instagram more as a marketing channel because I am thinking about the framing more of my shots. So even kind of mm. following other photographers and looking at their styles, you can actually, you really learn a lot visually without thinking about mm -hmm. it. And I think the best bit about the creative community is we're all sharing our skills and hints and tips on social, on YouTube all the time. So it is a muscle that you can flex. I'm never going to be able to design a brand from scratch with somebody else that looks as good as what Adrienne creates, but I can certainly use a lot of the rules that he has set for me to at least get the basic or something yeah. DIY that would last me, yeah. I think now. I think I think you mentioned a really, really key point there, and that's what you're saying in your captions. And I think we really need to understand that yes, there's the visual the visuals are a huge side of it, but really what's I I think personally more important is what you're writing down in that caption, the the tips or help or advice or whatever it is that you're speaking about. That's really the, the essence mm. of the brand, the design and the visuals and everything are an add-on to that. But really at the core, it is that message that you're that you're speaking mm. about. Totally. And I think it's when we're storytelling, we see people do so much better. I, I've been selling hard all week. And then yesterday I talked about the fact that I was finding it hard to sell as much. And it was like the final few days. And even as somebody who's written a book on hyping yourself, I was beginning to find it a little bit hard. And I was sort of worried that I was annoying people. And the, re the reality is most people are paying no attention to what I'm doing, but because I'm putting it out there, I feel like I'm just wanging on all day long about like, here's my book, buy my book, here's my book, yeah. buy my book. Um, <laughs> like in this sort of dance remix all day long, profits going to charity, written it with my partner, he's dyslexic, uh, want to be a Sunny Times Besser, let's go, let's go. It's just like, the, it's in my head all day long. And, um, and somebody messaged me and was like, keep going, Worm. And I was like, thanks, I feel like I'm just annoying everyone. She's like, no, you've got to keep going for the home stretch. Um, so I shared that I was struggling to sell and then loads of people were like, I'm going to buy one, I'll buy one, I'll buy one. And it was like, it, that wasn't what the intention was. But actually when we show mm. the realities of being a business owner and, or trying to be creative, like I'm sure if you, yeah, if you did a post and it was about the struggle you were feeling the, the morning of your show. Like, what time do I need to sweep the floor? And then Adam reminded me, actually, I need to take a vacuum. Um, and that's why having Adam on side is really good. Like, that sort of stuff is really charming. And people would really relate to that. Because if they do have somebody who assists them, that is the bit that you, you do need that voice telling you, don't use the broom, take the vacuum. And that's like something people would have a hard relate on. Just think about any relationship, like what you would be in, in like, like romantically but it's like if you just base a relationship just on looks then it's only going to go so far it's going to be kind of like great at start but then it's not really going to last and no like deep relationships really going to be formed there whereas as soon as you actually start having conversations and you find someone who you can really connect with on that kind of like caption wordy kind of level so people actually get to know you <clears throat> that's when real relationships are going to be formed and that's when a brand is actually going to be formed. So you're absolutely right, Adam. And it's funny you take this analogy of the relationship because when I teach branding, the first thing is like, it's a bit like a relationship with a couple. You don't fall in love for the perfect teeth for the perfect body. You fell in love for the imperfection, for what it stands for, for why is is back a weird background story that made you all this little imperfection and make you connect to one to another. And at the end of the branding is connection between you and your consumers. And the more honest you can be and the more aware the more connection you will do in the long term so yeah absolutely yeah. love that uh, and earlier you made a really good point adrian i feel like i just want to kind of double back on because you you kind of talked about when you start you don't need a logo no. you can just start and i think that is the most important thing because i think so many people get hung up when they're first starting on what they should be called and what their logo is 
and that stops them like whether that they don't even start because they haven't got to that or it takes them weeks or months or like f just forever to get to the point where they're going to launch because they feel like they can't launch without those things whereas when i think about like what me and david have done in the past like year or two we didn't start with a logo there we started with the work yeah. and the the logo came from the work rather than it being the other way around i think that's a much better way to approach it and also as you were talking about keeping colors simple when i think about both of mine and david's work over the past couple of years literally two colors in both of our works it's kind of like mine's like a light brown dark brown david's is a black and a pink and it's like having just that simplicity i think that people especially at the start like when you're first getting started just be as simple as possible don't try and like confuse people like you don't want to be this person who just you can't really get what they're doing because it's a bit all over the place mm. just yeah i think that's a simplicity yeah, it's like harder really to key. sell like it's even when mm. we have these sort of um these multi-hyphenate careers as well which is great but the problem is is then to put a brand that overarches all of that and then you try and sell yeah, every single yeah. thing you do actually it's much better for you to be like yeah no i'm a photographer Oh, and actually, you know, sometimes I do do this and I do do this and I do talks on this and I have a podcast. But at the core, you're a photographer. People get that. When they start to build their relationship with you, they can learn about the other bits. But I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to show all our skills, all our services, all of our products. It's like, no, just stick with what your core favourite thing is, which is, I think, why for me, I I always forget to actually talk about clients that I work with. I don't really talk about client work, um, even though... Like before we recorded today, I was bending Adam's ear about my new client and how I'm really excited about it. Um, because actually my favourite bit is giving the PR advice and tips and helping the people grow. Um, and I feel like sometimes if you try and share everything about your business and your brand, it is overwhelming and people get lost. Yeah, we've we've talked about this on the on the podcast before of of re-establishing what it is that you stand for because you've got to recognize that every day the the new followers that are are coming to your page or your social media or wherever they're discovering you for the first time so you can't really take it for granted that that everyone's going to know every little facet of of what you do Um, and i think what you were talking about there reminds me of a quote in the book where you said that the most underused tool of a small business is the small business owner and that's, I mean, for me, that was a really sort of important line to read because certainly with our first business, myself and Adam, we both hid behind our logo. We hid behind the brand. We never stepped forward and we never said, this is this is us, this is our company. Everything was just done under this this sort of faceless, nameless logo. The, the artwork appeared and then, and we didn't. Um, and I think since pandemic times and us sort of coming forward and, and stepping out of that shadow, We've seen so much more success on such a, a rapid trajectory simply by just saying, this is who we are, this is what we think about. No, you're absolutely right. And I, will, I was going to say after we talk about the logo that your first and best logo is your face. This is a logo mm-hmm. just to mm. to make sure you recognize the person or the brand. Your face is unique, is you. So it's the best logo you can have. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, anyone listening to this, especially like because most people listening to this will be individual creators. They won't be a studio. And I think we, I think as individual creators as well, we like this idea of, okay, well, I can't just put my face out because I won't look professional. I need to create this idea of, oh, I'm this media agency. I'm this studio. I'm this like bigger thing than I am to make myself look professional in like a corporate world. Mm. Because growing up, that's all we've ever seen. We've only ever seen the big brands that are kind of lying the shelves of supermarkets and kind of high street stores whereas yeah actually we're in a different world now yeah, where the world of work as an individual like it, let, mm. we, you know scotland's just brought in a four-day work week we've got flexible working now in a way we've never seen before like we're all talking to each other online before you know before pandemic we probably never would have recorded in this way like yeah. you guys wouldn't have you would have felt like you had to keep the production levels up to do it face to face but We've progressed as a world. And I think actually the way of working now is we are going to see core teams of freelancers collaborating together, like the equivalent of a WPP creative agency where you've got a legal expert there, an HR expert there, an artist here, an illustrator there. And that is certainly how we're working. And and a lot of the people we know in the creative space are beginning to work in that way. So actually, even when I started out in 2014, I was like the worm and I had some kind of very like something really really wanky like disruptive global blah blah like really trying to and I use the word we a lot buzzword 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 yeah, yeah like how many how many buzzwords can I throw in there with like disruptive innovative 
global and just constantly like referring to myself as we. Like, I look back now and I'm like, come on, Luz. Um I didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. Um, but that was what we were talking about earlier. You were falling into that trap of, I must appear like everyone else appears. But in general, like we want to do project work on cool, creative entrepreneurs and... And then on the side of that, service the small business community and help them build themselves. But to get to that point took far too long. Probably, you know, our, having our second child in and out of hospital in a pandemic to really solidify. That's the work that we enjoy. Those are the people who support us and we can support them the best. Um, so now for me, the brand's a no brainer because it's like we know exactly who we want to work with. And they know when they see us that we're the right fit for them. Yeah, I think once you understand that, I think I found that as well. It's like, it's such like a life-changing moment of being like, actually, just because I can do this, it doesn't mean it's I like should the power do of no. I know you guys yeah. have had this as well, where people are like, you're too much money, I don't want to wait. And you're like, okay. Okay. Yeah, there's someone else who <laughs> so will service I... that for the <laughs> price that you yeah. want to do it for. And even like, just not even, even in terms of money, but in terms of the kind of work you want to be doing. It's like... I do the kind of work I want to do. And I actually got I got approached recently to actually shoot like a live event with like Boris Johnson and like all the Conservative Party. You were like, this and is I, for me. <laughs> Such a brand yeah, and fit. I was, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was like, this does not fit my brand. I was like, even if the pay was really good, it I feel like that would be a negative impact on my brand. Yeah, so I was yeah, like, yeah I'm, definitely. I was like, so I was like, appreciate the offer. Like, thanks for thinking of me, but this isn't something that I would be interested in doing. Yeah. And just having that power to say no and thinking of the longevity of your brand and what that appears like to the outside world. Yeah. And like how by working and doing the wrong kind of work that might negatively impact that. Then, yeah, I think that's something we all need to think about. Yeah. And, you know, there is a certain level of privilege that we have to be able to say no, because we've got the either the funds mm. or we've got the the network to be able to take other stuff. But I do think people especially creators starting out could get in a really vicious cycle of saying yes to everything because they're worried about the finance side of things and then they can never pull back and move into the direction mm. that they want to go in i don't know what the necessarily the answer to that is but i do know that the typically the more successful you are is directly related to how happy you are in the work that you're doing so if you can find a way to bring yourself into that um you know it's such a great thing and for me i find the brand that I'm putting out there is attracting the relationships that I want to have. Um, and so I'm like, I'm really happy. I don't know how else to describe it. Like I'm so happy that everyone that I'm interacting with around my work and brand and career are all people that I like. They're all nice and they're all like, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. not going to just... <laughs> like everyone wants to support your show because you've got all this lovely supportive creative community around you that wants to help share and promote what you're doing. Yeah, it's really lovely because, I mean, you, you you talked about the sort of fatigue of selling. And I mean, I so I went through that with, with the launch of my show as well as like for those few weeks, it's like the whole thing is like, come to my show, come to my show, come to my show. And also like buy a fucking painting if, if, if you can, um, because yeah, coming to it is one thing, but like, so that, that was there, but I didn't feel bad because for the past year and a half, I've done nothing but like free street paintings. And then I went and gave away a thousand free pieces of work across the city. So it's like, I built up enough, my, my brand had built enough, up enough goodwill by giving that when it came to the ask, it was not, it was no big deal. And and to go back to the the point that you're really happy because you have like everything you want and the people you want, but that's only came because you are 100% yourself. You're fully authentic. And that's a very good point when you do branding. And back to, should I stand out or not? If you're truly yourself, you will attract the right people, the right work, and you're going to find uh, happiness into the work you're doing. Say that is like the hardest thing that I've ever done the hardest thing that I've ever done because you put yourself out there and for me to go like, well, this is me after 10 years of hiding behind a brand also coming out as like a street artist who's very different to all the other ones out there who wants to talk about kindness, who wants to talk about like not being a dick and representation and all these things that are important to me that is not trendy or in the zeitgeist of street art. Like that was fucking terrifying, man. Mm -hmm. But I'm so glad I did it. Yeah, it's the best thing to do. I mean, like, Lucy touched the fact that I was very dyslexic and during all my, my youth, they told me, like, 
You should not save it. Even my mom, like, why are you talking about it? When I started talking openly about it, you should just hide that and hard as hard as you can to don't look dyslexic. And it only take me about 33 years to basically say, no, actually, that's my strength. And now it's on my signature, my email. I'm French and dyslexic. Yeah. And that's because I'm dyslexic that I'm really creative and I look at stuff completely different than anyone else. It's a superpower. And it's my superpower. And it, and it, yeah, it literally took me 30 years. And actually, for the little story, Lucy helped me a lot because when I met Lucy, I was working in big agency, big career, like what you should do. And I grow, grow and get a lot of money to basically just say yes to everything and do the work. And I felt so envy when I saw her, like you were talking about the power of the no. She could say yes or no to a client. Do I stand by your value? Do I believe in your product? Do I want to work with you? I'm like, I would love to have this kind of decision. So when it comes to the moment, like, well, now you don't have a work, what are you doing? Well, maybe I should join and do a bit of branding with you because actually I would love to, to stand for those value. And, and actually at the end of the day, do a bit of a, this marketplace, a better marketplace by saying, giving the opportunity to better brand to grow rather than just working for big conglomerate who doesn't really care or just manipulate to buy more. So because you guys are so sort of attuned to this and it's your every day, when you're scrolling, what are some things that like really jump out at you that you is like a fist bite moment? There are certain like entrepreneurs out there um, who, for me, it's quite obvious that it's just a growing exercise. So they'll just spend all day posting memes or um, inspirational mm. quotes that they've got from other people. And I'm like, that's great. But wh what are you about? Who are you? Um, and actually, I saw a great uh, post the other day from a guy called, I think it's called Matt Thomas, he's, he's a content guy, and he's saying about actually, if you're going to use a quote, use a different one. We all know that the brilliant, like, Maya Angelou quotes, we don't necessarily need to see them again. If you're going to be using sort of a quote, um, you know, use something from somebody really different with a different brain that's going to add a different spin to it. So I guess for yeah. me, like, overused quotes, yeah. um, at, particularly at the moment, there's a real um, a sort of a tie-dye 3d neon effect with like very bold brash black font that i'm like i li i cannot tell you apart from like the 50 50 other people's um i think reels there's a mm. lot of um, I, I saw know. i saw this guy that did a great um reel on the moves you need to learn to do a reel and so he was sort of saying like number one you need to, learn <laughs> to point number two you need to be able to move your hand down so um i do dick about in reels i always wanted to be a backing dancer growing up so i love an opportunity to do some terrible dancing and we actually we can be in like a foul mood with each other and i'll be like let's do a reel and we'll quickly like try and do a dance have a bit of fun again and be like oh we're fun. We still like each other. It's weird. Um, and we sort of put it out there. I don't take myself too seriously. And then I saw somebody do a post the other day about people dancing on reels and sort of doing an eye roll. And I was like, do you know what? Like, if people want to dance, let them dance. Like, I think that's it. It's like, if you're the kind of person who wants to dance, then dance. If you're the kind of person that dancing is the cringiest worst that's thing in the, the world, and that's don't the bit that's dance awkward, because you think you that's what you should do. Dancing, yeah. And there's like fear in the, the fear in the eyes or they're mouthing along to a song and it's sort of like <laughs> and it's like mate when I'm mouthing along yeah, to a song yeah, yeah. that and I'm like, enjoying at my desk <laughs> it is not like that it is like it's a RuPaul drag queen show you know <laughs> um, so, so and also actually sometimes I have filmed myself and then gone afterwards need to do it bigger <laughs> and so I will I think there is that sort of if you're going to perform perform you know if you're gonna do it if you're gonna create something just do it fully and do it exactly 100% yourself doesn't it so maybe some people are not big but you need to be 100% yourself and you can quickly see if it's not yourself you look fake from real yeah, from yeah. picture from everything from the quote from the font just be yourself and do it right so you can post a million quotes a day and it will get you followers yeah. and all they will want from you is they'll ex expect that because they get something from that. They read that quote and, and they, it gives them a little bit of adrenaline and they go, okay, yeah, that's cool. This is something that Muhammad Ali said, great, I, I feel empowered for five seconds. But it doesn't build that that lasting connection. Mm -hmm. And when I did my, my free prints across London um, recently, someone said to me, did you get loads of followers from it? And I looked at my numbers and like, I went up a bit, but like not loads. And I was like, no, I didn't get loads of followers. But what I did get was a much deeper relationship with the yeah. people that already follow me, yeah. which is yeah, okay. so much more value, yeah, valuable. Yeah, totally. And, and I think putting yourself out in the world is a really scary thing to do. Like I bet even before you did that stunt, you have that thing for a minute where you're like, 
is anyone going to come and find them? Am I just going to... 100%. <laughs> um, and we yeah, all have that. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> has that. Um, but actually, it's those, it's that bit of FaceTime and those tangible experiences, which is doing things differently in a fantastic way. And I think you, you notice it. There's examples I give if I do. Um, sometimes I do do like workshops with more kind of creative and artists. And there's some great examples of creatives gifting stuff or making that accessible, doing things in fun ways. And it really makes me kind of resonate with them more as artists. And I do think art in, as a whole is quite scary and inaccessible for a lot of people. So what you've done is you've just opened it up to a whole demographic that potentially can't afford to buy it or are too scared or find going into a gallery really intimidating, which it mm. can be. Um, so everything you're doing around that, I think is just a beautiful thing. And it's going to be so brand building for you, not now, but not just now, but for like years to come, you're always going to have that as something that you did to launch your first exhibition. Uh, on the topic of quotes, Sarah, as well, I think like what you can just make your own quotes. <laughs> I feel like this is what you guys do brilliantly in the book. It's just like, a big block yeah. of text so like, that's a good quote adrian at the bottom and it's like just if instead of just copying someone else's work it's exactly the same as like just re taking a picture of someone's painting posting it on your feed it's like that's so different to actually going to create that painting yourself and putting it out there like it doesn't take too long to read something that inspires you and then try and break that down and simplify it in a way that's going to make mm -hmm. people understand it and even if you can't do that you just by doing it more and more you will Start to develop that side of practice. Yeah. yeah, and actually, one of our one of our favourite celebs, I'm saying we, you can dip out. <laughs> um, is um, is RuPaul from RuPaul's Drag Race? And actually, if you go back historically and watch RuPaul from the 80s, like even from the first sort of like as an extra in the Love Shack video to now, he is saying the same phrases. Like he's talking about the same things when he gives an interview and he's revealing bits of personal personal information about himself, like what I call showing a bit of ankle. It's the same stories every single time. And he has nailed his personal brand. It has not changed over the last 30 years, except for some of his language has become slightly more inclusive because of the world we're living in today, where we're far more accepting of non-binary than we were probably in the 80s, even when Rue was probably, you know, spearheading a lot of talk around what gender norms were in that time anyway. Um but he, for me, is a great example. He has their personal brand and brand built and it's not changed. And can you imagine how many times he said, you know, um, well, I'm trying to think once. Uh, so he'll be, he'll say like, we're all born naked and the rest is drag. Or if you, if you yeah. can't love yourself, how in the hell can you love anybody else? How many times in his life he said, I mean, he says it at the end of every single episode, which has been like 13 American series, six all stars, however many globally. And that's before you've done any press interviews that he's he's doing. So I think actually what we can learn from big business, like big corporations like Coca-Cola or big celebrities, they do have these catchphrases. They do have these ways of doing things and they might evolve or tweak, but they themselves are probably getting a bit bored of it. So actually you should get a bit bored of your personal brand from time to time and sit comfortable in that because it means it's working. Yeah. Yeah. And he's back to um, when you're talking at them about the quote. We always uh, making a brand is making yourself is creating the connection, and I don't want you. I don't want my best friend to talk about something he's not. I want him. I like him because his voice, because his point of view. So to create this brand, you need to just say your point of view. So if uh, if you want to say something, just say it with your voice, because if they say it with the voice of someone else, I don't care about it. I like my best friend. I don't like this new guy. So it's important to use your voice. Your the, I'm my French is terrible. My English is terrible because <laughs> my French. But that's the way I talk and the way I express myself, my emotion, and I'm really tactile and I don't. Talk it's about why all the expensive restaurants in London have French people in there because it instantly <laughs> like elevates it to that je ne sais quoi. Uh, no, so yeah, the, the the advice and the tip for everyone is just. Do it, but just do it with your voice, with your language, the way you will say it normally to your best friend. And that's how you're going to create this connection as long lasted. And that's what RuPaul did very well. He did the right way. He said the way he wants to say it to the world with repetition. I think the, the key words you just said there were long lasting as well. It's like, if you yeah. want just a quick little try and hack it, then maybe go and copy, copy someone else. But that won't last. It would just be a really short thing. Because actually, if you want a brand that's going to last forever, like, our lives are so long. Like so many people who listen to this show have probably got at least 40 years left of their life. Like at least. And that's such a massive amount of time. Like if we're all building towards something that we're still going to be doing in 40 years, 
that's the mindset we need to have rather than just like oh i'm going to copy these other people now let's just be as authentic as possible for as long as possible and we will just start to get the people around us that we want around us and yeah just be those just be be you yeah and you say you absolutely nailed there and say like branding is it's a long game it's not something you do just one kick to sell an event or something branding is you is who you're gonna be for the rest of your life so just be really yourself because you can't be someone else all your life also it's like do you want to be like obviously if it's your job um branding is something you'll keep doing for your life but like as an artist as a creative as someone who doesn't do branding just do your thing don't do the branding your whole life don't sit there rethinking your logos rethinking your website rethinking like rethinking all those things that are taking you away from doing the thing that you should be doing like the amount of time that must be wasted on people doing their website again for the 10th time within a year because they just want it to be just right instead of actually putting that time into their craft getting better which would probably actually be so much more beneficial for them especially in that long game mm-hmm. than it would to just keep changing things and keep tweaking things yeah yeah absolutely absolutely cool so i know you have uh selling fatigue but go ahead uh i need you to sell this book um and tell people why <laughs> they should go and buy a copy of brand yourself that's you so brand yourself is a no-nonsense branding toolkit for small businesses it's available from any major bookshop but you can also order it in from your local independent bookstore if you want to support your local bookshop um it is called brand yourself it's written by myself lucy werner and adrienne chatelet and we are currently because right so rich dad poor dad is currently number one on the sunday times business bestseller list and that's sold 32 million copies globally and is still going at about 4,000 copies a month. We need to scrape about um, 1,200 to just slip into the top 10. So I'd really like us as the underdogs to just pull ourselves up into there. Um, We know roughly from pre-orders, we've done about 700 so far. Um, It's not not exact science. It's what um, Amazon and Gartners have pre-ordered. It's not guarantee of sales. So we do need to shift a few hundred more if we wanna. We basically only have launch week to try and get on there because our audience is small. Um, and our publishers are small, so we are we don't have the the reach to try and attempt over a thousand any other week of the year other than launch. Um, and we are donating fifty percent of our profits to Great Ormond Street because when I was writing my first book, our son was in and out of um, congenital heart defect cardiac surgery. He's fine now, but he will still have ongoing surgery there. Adrian also has a heart defect, so he's also having scans at Great Ormond Street from time to time because that's where you go in London. So. It is literally um, a place close to our heart and they really supported us. The small business really supported us when that book came out. So that's why that's our charity of of choice. Yeah, Gosh is uh, really important to me as well. Looks after my sister before she passed away. So um, yes, it's a lovely place and thank you for doing that. Um, Like I said, it is a bloody excellent book. I think even someone who I would say is pretty kind of well-versed in the world of branding, having run several businesses over the last 10 years, it was so nice to see everything so clearly laid out step by step um, because there's still a lot of stuff that I was not that clear on and confused about. And it was it's a, it's a really great book that you should both be very proud of. And I think listeners of this show, we can easily get it over that, over that mark. So um, go and... <laughs> buy a copy of the book you won't regret it if if you do i'll pay for your book because that's how confident i am i mean i mean i won't i Watch won't out. but I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> that. i won't actually do that <laughs> wicked all right thank you guys thank you so much thanks for having us back thank you. <laughs>